Um, so yeah, today we're talking about feeding. And so um, let me open up with prayer. Let me open with prayer before we get going. Hey, Jesus, thank you for this evening. God, thank you that man, we get to come here and grow, God. And I pray that as we... As we were here, God, it wouldn't just be information download, God, or or things like cool, cool tips and tricks, God, but um, that we would be growing in a life that's transformed, God, growing, Jesus, in our in our love for you, Jesus, God, and that you would give us a love for others, God, and seeing others come to know you, Jesus, in the same way that we have come to know and to love you, Jesus. Hey, God, we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so. Uh, we're getting the section five. So if you guys want to open it up to the finding zone area, um, yes. Sorry about that. At the top here, it says mine says uh, on top of feed. It says finding the bread, finding the bread. So if we are going to feed others. We have to find the bread ourselves, right? So like if we're gonna like, if we wanna be people who are making a difference in the world and transforming lives for Jesus, bringing him glory, first like we gotta let the Holy Spirit, we gotta let God do an inner work and an inner transformation in us. So Christ's method in establishing his kingdom in, the, in all the world was to entrust the kingdom of God into those he discipled. His whole strategy, the whole reason that he, how he did everything was to entrust the kingdom of God into those he discipled. There we go, we found it. So Joy Schroeder, Joy Schroeder says this, relationships are the currency of the kingdom of God. So if there is a currency in the kingdom of God, it's relationships. It's like those that are like in eternal beings. Do you guys all get that fill in the blank? No, because I was hoping So Christ's method in establishing his kingdom in all the world was to entrust the kingdom of God into those he discipled. Feeding those he discipled, right? We can't feed those until like we go and find them, right? And like when we talk about finding, right? We talked about it last week, but I want to... Our whole heart, our whole method, if you want to call it that, is not that anyone is a project. Like, I don't want to know you because, like, I want more people in my cell group, even though that's kind of cool, right? I don't want to, like, know you because, like, I am obligated under church mandate to go out and do this, right? But I want to know you because you are made in the image of God. You're an image bearer, right? And I feel like we talk about that a lot. Do you guys feel like we talk about being made in the image of God a lot? Yes. It's so important. It's, I, I, I feel like it's so important, though. Yes. Because the world does not operate that way. You have to earn trust. You have to like be pretty enough, smart enough, good enough, have grown in some way to like earn that friendship a lot, right? And I want to be someone that Jesus calls him to be and say, like, you know what? I love you because you, because God calls you love first. And that's why I love you, right? So if this is, like, God's, um, like, way of doing things and trusting the kingdom of God to those he's discipled, why should ours differ from that, right? So, like, there's, like, several of us, say, in, in me and Ricky's cell group this year, 
and um, feel like God's entrusted me with with you guys, with with those that are in the cell group, right? And man, I want to do all I can to like see you guys grow, and not not only that, but like I love you guys, right? I hope that, like that was like evident in like our relationship. Not that like you guys are ever a project or anything, but like man, I love seeing you guys grow in faith. I love seeing you guys like reach out. I love just like hanging out with you guys and shooting the bull, as my friend from Texas used to say. So, Trav, if you're listening to this, I miss you. I love you. So, uh, John 21, 15 to 17. If you guys got your Bibles or does someone want to read that? Well, I guess Natalie's ready. I was born ready. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Thank you. So, all right, uh, what do you guys see in this passage of Scripture? So, what, what is happening? Just, like, break it down real quick. Jayla, what's going on? What's happening in this? this? Um, Jesus was, like, Yeah, yeah. Go out and um, feed my lambs, right? Feed my sheep. Yeah, exactly, right? So, um, and like Peter had to like come to this realization, right? That like this was the next step. This was the next call, right, in his life. So as we feed, it's important that we do not, that we do so with the right mindset. We must know continually that we are just hungry people who found where the bread was. You found the bread. As we feed, we are just bringing other hungry people to that very same bread and giving them a chance to eat. So when Jesus says, feed my sheep, he's like, hey, like I, remember he says, I am the bread of life, right? He would come to me with never hunger or thirst again. And like, we're just like bringing people back to that bread that we've already found, like, that like we're already growing from, it, right? So in other words, uh, Alex Rodriguez says it like this, um, says Jesus must be the bread we bring to the table for someone else to eat. So what do you guys think it means for relationships to be the currency of the kingdom? What does it mean for relationships to be the currency of the kingdom? I think it means they're like the most valuable thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if we look at some of those parables, you know, like, like, man, Jesus is calling us to go out and find the lost, right? And then some of those, it's like, it's currency, like literally, yeah. So Christ spent his time on earth training 12 men, transforming them, and empowering them to continue his mission, which was to save the world. 
So how do we feed people with the right heart? How do you guys think we do this? Okay. So once once we got that down, we're like, okay, this is my friend. Like, like, what do you guys think? Like, what's the next step? How do we like feed them? Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Yeah. Often. Often. I like that. Yeah. So, absolutely. I think yeah. Last week we said talk about Jesus early. Talk about Jesus often, right? Um, as we're finding people. So I think like one of the things that like I want to do in my life is like I can't. I can't feed people with, or I can't give away what I haven't already received, right? So like, if I wanna be someone that's transforming the world and feeding his lost sheep, right? Like, I gotta be someone that's like, taking Jesus in daily and letting his word, letting his words, not even the Bible, but also like his word in my daily life, if God's speaking to me, I need to let that be like a cornerstone of my life. I have to be let that transform me. I want to bring to others what God is doing in me. Here's a, here's a cool saying. What God has done or is doing in you, he wants to do through you, okay? What God's speaking to you in, he wants to do through you. He wants to bring that to others, right? That's why part of like when we talked about reading the Bible, soap, we have the tea at the end. Who are you going to tell? What God's doing in you through his word, he wants to do through you to others, right? So like, man, I'm excited to share with you guys what I read this morning in the Bible about Ruth. Man, I just finished this book called um, by uh, Francis Schaeffer, you guys. And the chapter on relationships between people like convicted me so much. Like, I think it's gonna, it's gonna come out of me in some place to some of you, right? And uh, maybe all of you, right? But like, that's like what God is doing in you. He wants to do through you in all these areas. So, um, so the biblical model of transgenerational discipleship. So under that second heading now, right? So it says, uh, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others and trust to reliable people those are those blanks so that's second timothy 2 2 right sometimes we say we got a second timothy we got a second timothy 2 2 it to the world okay so like i want to be someone that's in like whatever like whatever god has done in me i want to like entrust to others what god has done in you he wants to do through you right so we see this happen so transgenerational discipleship what does that mean right so uh, i think you guys have this written in your books right it says Paul shared to Timothy, right? So Paul, the apostle, shared with Timothy, right? Timothy, we see like in, in these letters to Timothy, so 2 Timothy isn't written by Timothy, but written by Paul to Timothy as he is discipling and sharing with this early church, okay? So Timothy shared with reliable people. And these reliable people then shared with others, okay? And these others, there's this continuation of transgenerational discipleship. Because of what Paul and Timothy and these other reliable people did, that is exactly why you and I are here today. Paul was the first missionary to Gentiles, which, unless you guys are 
from a Jewish heritage, you are Gentile like me, okay? Just these people that like aren't Jews, right? And so like this is like how like we got to know Jesus is this this entrusting through the ages. So there's four generations ships of discipleship here. So does anyone know your discipleship lineage? Does anyone know your discipleship lineage? Okay. So think of your time here. Who has entrusted things to you? Who has fed you, discipled you? Okay, a couple of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, what about you, Riley? Becca. Becca. Yes, 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 yes. What about you, Jayla? Jen? Okay, yeah, okay, check this out. So, we'll come, we'll come, okay? Okay, so, so Riley's saying like that um, Becca's been discipling me. Mm-hmm. Janet found Becca discipled Becca, right? You can go before Janet, right? And Janet, like, you can go, like, and see her Chi Alpha mentor, and I can't remember her name right now, at, um, in central Washington, right? And so, like, you see that lineage go back, not even just from ISU Chi Alpha, but, like, all over the place because this is what God is doing in and through us, right? So, Jayla, what about you? Who's discipled you? Who's, like, pouring into you? Probably you and Natalie. Me and Natalie. Okay, so let's check out Natalie. So, Natalie, who discipled you? Andrea. Andrea, okay. Andrea discipled Natalie. I would say, like, uh, Daniel Miller discipled Andrea, which you guys met, uh, a lot of you met a couple, like, a couple months ago, right? And, uh, yeah, and so Daniel was discipled by Paul, right? Paul started Chi Alpha here, you guys. Your lineage is, like, ongoing. And, like, we want, like, other people to know Jesus, okay? I can tell you mine. Like, I was discipled by Daniel, but also by a good friend and mentor when I was in Chi Alpha in Montana, and his name was Jim Erickson, okay? And Jim was discipled by a guy named Brady, okay? And Brady was discipled by a guy... Again, from uh, from Washington, I think Western Washington this time, and um, and so like you can see that li- that like that spiritual lineage. You guys think that's like cool to like see your spiritual lineages, and like we can think like okay, so that means like if that's true, right? That means like you know, ten twenty years down the road, you can come back to ISU, and. What we want to see, like, what I hope is that, like, you can come back and you can see your, like, great, 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 grand disciples, right? I don't know what we call them, right? But, like, your lineage of, like, the mark that you've left on this campus and on the world. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah, we've actually been working on them. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so, like, so, like, your guys' legacy didn't even just start with me or Natalie or Becca, right? But, like, we can see them, like, trickle down from generation to generation. Man, and the cool, the thing that I love thinking about, like, every fall is, like, who is God going to give me? Like, who is he calling me to find, feed, and fight for? So, if you guys got, like, some room there, write out your discipleship lineage, okay? Write that out really quick, okay? So like I kind of told most of you your discipleship lineages. So write that out, and um, and then and then after you, just put another arrow and say like, who who is the reliable people God's giving me, right? 
Does everyone remember theirs? So who does it speak for Andrea? Huh? Uh, uh, Daniel. 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 Yeah. Paul. Who did Paul? Paul? Who's who disciple Paul? Yeah. Um, you're gonna be excited about this. Um, Dick Schroeder. Really? Yeah. Dick Schroeder. Yeah. So so uh, so she she met Dick Schroeder a bit ago. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, Dick or er, so Paul came out of came from Bozeman out of Dick Schroeder's ministry. So yeah, Dick and Joy. Uh, if you guys someday you'll hopefully meet Dick or Joy, and they're incredible people that have like given their lives to college students for 30, 40 years now, still discipling. Um, people in Bozeman, Montana. Um, yeah, incredible, incredible. So, so who, like, how is your your lineage, your family tree going to grow? So let's think about this. So as we are thinking, talking about discipleship, what is the exponential power of transgenerational discipleship? Like, what's the power of that? Yeah, okay. Well, like, what does that, like, look like, then, to your, in your mathematical mind? So, like, 10 to the X, so it's, like, exponential. Like, yeah. Sure, like, it'll, it'll continue to rise, and you get closer and closer to, like, infinity. Yeah, right? Well, maybe not infinity, but, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, like, just, like, multiplicative, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, so exactly, so, like, say, like, just in this room, um, I'm discipling Josh and Bob, right? So like, who are the, say like, what is the two people even, only just two people that like maybe God's gonna have you like disciple and is gonna be sitting in these chairs in one year from now. We could start praying for those men and women. And like God is gonna like honor it because like, remember, people are the currency of the kingdom. People are the currency of the kingdom, right? So, like, I believe that, like, man, you guys are going to change the world as we continue to be faithful disciples that make faithful disciples, that make faithful disciples, okay? So, um, it, says, it says in here that disciples are handcrafted, not mass-produced. Disciples are handcrafted, not mass produced. So most years, I usually have a whiteboard with us when we do this, and this year, I don't. I love whiteboarding it up, you guys. So this is where it would be so much easier for me to whiteboard it up with you, okay? But, all right, so who can make the most impact? Let's think about this. Let's think about Natalie saying, like, I think about math, okay? Let's think about this. And most of you are smart enough, you're going to catch on. But I want you to, like, let's think about this because I don't think we think about this in our culture, in our church culture that says, like, we need to put on mass events and who is going to be that next Billy Graham reading hundreds of thousands to Jesus coming and flocking to the church? Who is going to do that? And Billy Graham is an amazing, amazing man. I'm not taking any away from that, but like obviously maybe our last example of like someone that's like mass evangelizing, you know, in stadiums, right? So like disciples are handcrafted, not produced. Let's take the best evangelists in America. Let's say we're talking about them. Let's just say that every day they reach, and we're gonna, we're gonna pull down Billy's stats, right? 
because I'm pretty sure he had maybe a little bit more than this. Let's say every day they reach one person. Every day they reach one person or 365 people a year. They do this every year, okay? Now, let's take a person who faithfully disciples two people each year. And in turn, those two people make two people each year. At the end of 15 years, who will have invested in more people? What do you guys think? Who will have invested in more people just after only 15 years? All right, let's, let's check this out together. Let's check this out together, okay? So, okay, are you multiplying 365 through 10 and then two through the 10? Sorry? Are we, so you said 365, are we doing that for each one? Are we assuming that? The 365 multiplies itself. Okay. Yeah, okay, so I'm actually gonna do this a little different. I'm gonna make the math. I okay, so on my math, I wrote this down differently. What we're gonna do is the the evangelist leads a thousand people. We're just gonna do an easy number, a thousand people to Jesus a year, okay? And then we're gonna do the faithful disciple three, okay? So so year one, year one. The master evangelist, how many does that person lead to Jesus? 365. 365. We'll just we'll go with that, okay? You guys help me with the math because my numbers are wrong right now on this. I have it with 1,000, okay? So at the end of two years, who is going to lead the most to Jesus? How many goes under year one for the faithful disciple? Is that two? That is two. Okay, actually, this is, like a, this is like okay. a tiny bit over my head. This is a tiny bit over Okay, so what we're going to do is this. Actually, I'm going to change the numbers. I'm sorry. Okay. We're going to do the, the master evangelist. We're going to make this just a little easier. The master evangelist, not 365, is leading 1,000 people to Jesus every year, okay? Every year, 365. That's because these are the numbers I have in my binder. I haven't changed all of it. Okay, and so we're going to say the faithful discipler evangelizes three. Three a year, Okay. So let's look at this master evangelist, okay? So year two, how many total, if he does a thousand a year on year two, will they have disciple or yeah, discipled, led to Jesus? Was it 15,000? 2,000. Oh, wait, wait, what was so you are adding Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the master evangelist at the end of year two oh, will have 2,000 yeah. faithful disciples, okay? At the end of year three, how many where will the master evangelist have? 3,000. 3,000. Yeah, <laughs> boom. So year four, 4,000. Year five, 5,000. So, so it's addition, right? Mm -hmm. So year six, six, right? Year 10, 10,000, K. So now let's talk about this faithful disciple, the Faithful disciple, who's going to be someone that makes disciples, that makes disciples, that makes disciples. And we're saying they're discipling three people a year. So year one, how many disciples does the faithful disciple make? Year one, three. 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 All right. So what about year two? Six. Nine. Nine. Yeah. So if those 
three disciples, make three disciples each, that person now technically discipled nine people, okay? So you can see where we're going in this. You can see the exponential growth as we become people, become faithful disciples. So year three, how many disciples? 27. You were right for year four. Three cubed, right? Oh, I was multiplying. So I was going three times three, then nine times nine. That's okay. So the formula would just be three to the power of the number of years. Mm -hmm. okay. yep. So yeah, so year four, there would be 81 people disciple. 27. 27, yeah. So like still, if we look at year four on each one, right? So the master evangelist has discipled 4,000 people. Year four, we haven't even broke 100 81, okay? So year five, what is year five? Three to the fifth? Three to the, three to the fifth, yes. <laughs> They're like, what, what's math? We got Jayla. Jayla's doing good to work over here. Flip my calculator next to Wait, wait, wait. Three to the fifth. Three to the fifth. Three hundred and forty-three. Two hundred and forty-three, yes, okay. So year five, the master balance is at 5,000. Like, like, we're kind of, the, the phasal sample is just getting along, right? Year six, year six, um, you got that? 729. 729. Ooh. Still haven't even broke 1,000, okay? The 1,000 mark. I'll, I'll, you got the next one? Mm -hmm. Okay, what's, what's year seven? Two thousand one hundred eighty-seven. If every disciple continues to go and faithfully make just three disciples, pouring into them the bread that they go and get from God every year, right? They disciple three people. We're now like seeing like some growth, right? Two thousand. Year eight. What do we got? Six thousand five hundred sixty-one. Six thousand five hundred what? Sixty-one. All right. What about? Year nine. 19,683. 19,683. So it's not till nine years in that we see a flip happen, and it happens dramatically, where you can see that the person that is just a faithful disciple, making faithful disciples, is changing, is transforming the world. Year 10, what is it? Fifty-nine Incredible, right? Year 10, the master evangelist is still doing 10,000. Incredible work for the kingdom, right? Incredible. So, so this is a radical worldview change. We often get caught trying to change the world with big events and mass connections. But it is the tough work of daily loving and serving someone, investing in their life, that really makes a difference. The importance of the numerical chart is not just to give you an exercise in math. Thank you, Jayla. <laughs> Several key points. <laughs> Several key points can be made while working through this chart. The first is that discipleship must be a long haul investment because it doesn't even start to look worthwhile until somewhere between year eight and nine, right? Like, man, we're just like, 
trying to get the wheels moving still, right? The growth is slow at the start, but the investment is worth it in the long run. You can extend the example by calculating how long it would take for your fellowship, for us here, to reach the United States, adopting the faithful disciple or model, right? So, so like we, like, like within how long we could like, we could see like in that way, if like we were faithful disciples that made faithful disciples, like how long would it take to reach the United States of America, right? How many years then would it take for us to reach the world? So do you guys see transgenerational discipleship in today's culture? If so, how? What's up, man? Get on in here. So you guys, you guys see transgenerational discipleship at all? Maybe a little. I feel what? like it's definitely like parents to their kids. Yeah, parents to the kids. Yeah, absolutely, right? I think it's a great example. Okay? Like parents, you know, like pour their lives into, you know, their 2.4 kids, you know, that we on average have or whatever. <laughs> right? So like... One of my biggest ministry, my biggest ministry in life is my two kids, right? So like, I'm trying to pour all that I can into Liam and Emma. Like, I want them to know Jesus. Okay. Um, talked to Nikki on the way here. Like, right? I left. You know, at seven o'clock, they're like starting to like get ready for bed, right? Nikki's like, hey. Uh, so Emma was just bawling when you left. She said she didn't get to say goodbye and give you a hug and kiss. You know. And uh, I want to pour all I can into my little girl, okay? And the same is like for you guys here in this room. I want to pour all I can into your lives. Because I believe that you guys can change the world. Does this like change like your guys' thinking and shift your thoughts of like how like we as Christians and as like Chi Alpha or the church can change the world? Does it change how you're thinking or is it kind of like lined up with like where you were before? Can I ask why we're assuming that the master evangelist increases status? Or are we just saying that because the master evangelist doesn't teach people how to disciple? He doesn't, yeah, so that's, that's a good question, right? So, like, he's not teaching people how to disciple. So, right, this is probably, this is a little flawed of a model in some ways, right? Yeah. Like, is everyone going to disciple three? In a perfect world, yes, right? Like, if that would have happened, you know, from, like, Jesus' age 2,000 years ago, it probably would have, right? But I think we can see, like, the power of transgenerational discipleship, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's probably some flaws in it. But, like, we do know things from, like, mass crusades that would happen, right? Like, Billy Graham, um, sorry, not, not mean to pick on him, like, was incredible, right? But, like, he, he had a heart for people not only to, like, know Jesus, but be a part of the church and the communities that they were a part of and, like, share. They found a huge dropout rate within a year of people that would go to his crusades knowing Jesus and, like, continuing to follow in that lifestyle. So they started doing things, implementing discipleship models and churches coming alongside to walk with the people because they didn't want to see the follow. They wanted to see people that were world changers in their lives, but also the lives around them, okay? So we want to be people who are transgenerational. This is my heart. This is our heart, right? So yeah, I would say like, uh, yeah, we see transgenerational discipleship in families. I think that's a great, great uh, place. Anywhere else that maybe we see it some? 
Like in the workplace? Maybe in the workplace, like how so? Like boss to uh, to employees. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Or Let's, even like in bigger corporations where it's like CEO. To, yeah. And what's so cool that you bring that up, Natalie, they have found, so like some years ago, and it still happens a lot, right, that they would go outside of the company to find someone to be the CEO and lead the company, right? They found through like years of research and looking at these that the best companies, the ones that are sustaining, one of the qualities that they see in these companies over and over again, they don't bring people from the outside. They raise someone up from the inside that knows the culture, that knows the heart, that has a passion for that. Think of Apple. Think of, think of Disney. You can like even see the transition in leadership in just in the last you know, five, 10 years. Those are coming from the inside. You can see those companies marching forward still like changing the world in their sphere and in their sphere. Base, right? That's what really uh, the company that I work for. Uh, it's called, well, Symphony Park Association is what it's called, but that's how they do it there. Like, yeah. Like the director of the home that I work at started as a cook. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, and so like now, like smart companies are really trying to like build this within their the confines of their culture, right? Sometimes in the church, like what we want to do is we want to put everything on the pastor, like, hey, you want your life to be changed? Come with me to church. Hear my pastor, hear the speaker, right? And we bring them with us. When, like, I believe, like, God wants you to be that change. And not, and not that the pastor, this includes me speaking up front, by the way. That, like, I believe that you guys are more powerful in changing and transforming people's lives than I am from up front, Okay. I would say the most meaningful of relationships and things, ways that I see people grow is not in me speaking to you in a larger group and setting, but the most powerful way, the most strategic way that I can use and utilize my time is just hanging out with you guys one-on-one, -on -one, talking about life, talking about Jesus, right? That's why like, you guys see me doing that a lot because I think that's like the most important thing, right? And why, like, sometimes I'm joking with some of you right now that, like, I spend, like, literally, like, just two hours on my sermon every week. That's, and I would rather, like, spend that with two of you if I could, right? Um, probably we should edit this out because no one should know that I only spend, like, two hours on a sermon, okay? <laughs> but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just, like, I'm just messing around. Thank you for the affirmation. I appreciate it. <laughs> but, like, um, in other places in the, their world would be that they're going to spend literally at least 10 to 15 hours maybe on that sermon. And they might have people like um, having like background like data and stories that other people from outside of that pastor is coming up with, right? <laughs> so, and that's honest facts, right? And those people are incredible, so much better than me. But I believe like so much more sitting across a table for each and every one of you and hopefully pouring my life into you, okay? All right. Um, you guys need a break? A little bathroom break or anything? Yeah. All right, bathroom break. Ready, set, go. So uh, we're into the next section. The top says evangelism, right? 
So we've talked a little bit about like the kingdom of God this year. Um, but let me ask you a question. What, so just like a kingdom, what is a kingdom? When you guys think of a kingdom, what is a kingdom? Oh, did you? Okay, so what's a kingdom? Read that for me. <laughs> Place of dominion, rule, or reign of someone. Right? Yeah, exactly. So it's a place of dominion, rule, or reign of someone, right? So usually when we think of a kingdom, it's like, you know, there's a castle, right? There's a king involved. Usually there's a moat. Maybe some, like, alligators in the moat. If you're really cool, a shark or two. I don't know. Right? And so it's like, and that king, what does that king do? Rules over them. What is what does they provide the people? So so Shane, what Shane? What does a king provide the people he rules over? Uh, a ruling body. So you know he's the head of state, and also security with his armies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like a king, and like we're talking about a kingdom. Like rules over people, protects them, provides for their needs, right? And like a lot of times, like a lot of the things go to him, but like his job is to like give back to the people and protect them. That's why these places were set up back in um, the old days, okay? So when we think of the kingdom of God, what then is the kingdom of God? There's a look in. What does it say, Josh? Any place, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Yes. So, like, those that, like, make Jesus the Lord, right? Like, we talked about that our heart is a throne. So those that put Jesus there, now the kingdom of God lives inside of us because we have the authority, like, God's authority lives in us, right? We have placed ourselves under his authority, right? So as Christians, we are always trying to move deeper into the kingdom of God, and he, where he has more authority over our lives, okay? So here's the cool thing, you guys. The kingdom of God inside of us, when we interact with someone else, what do they get to experience? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, okay? So like part of like the authority in us, like they get to experience that. So like when kings and kingdoms would come to other places, right? They would get to experience that. Or when you would come from another kingdom into a kingdom, you would experience that kingdom, right? So like, so like, say I got a friend over here, right? This is, this is Paul, right? And like, is Paul experiencing like the kingdom of God right now? What do you guys think over here? It's true. No, it's talking to him, right? What about what about now? What about now? Yeah. Yeah. So now he's experiencing the kingdom of God. What about now? No. No. What about now? Yeah. yeah. And I'm now? Just the and now? <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. So like people can experience the kingdom of God through us, right? And so that's like that's the hope. So like a lot of times when we think of evangelism, we think of converting people to Christianity. We think of like, okay, like, come here, Paul, follow me, right? Say this prayer. Has anyone said a prayer in here? I've never prayed. Said, never said the prayer, right? Huh? The sinner's prayer? Yes. Has anyone here said the prayer? Okay, so where did you learn that prayer? The internet. The internet, okay. 
Anyone else? Your parents? Okay. Is there another verse for this prayer? Some people call it the sinner's prayer. Confessing our sins, giving our lives to Jesus. Okay. One place you do not find the sinner's prayer is in the Bible. Okay. It's not a prayer to pray, but it's us following the king and giving him authority in our lives. Okay. Do you got your binder today, Shane? I don't. Do you need some paper to take notes on? Here, I'll get you some paper, okay? So, um, so a lot of times when we think of evangelism, we think of converting people, right? Like, okay, like you come in contact with me, you can know Jesus, right? Which is good, good thought, okay? But I think there's something more to it than that, okay? Um, however, this can come across as people just trying to simply to try out Jesus. This is erroneous thinking because you do not just try out marriage. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, who enters into marriage that way? Maybe some people do, but it usually doesn't last, does it? Okay? When we speak to others about becoming a Christian, we are talking about an internal commitment, not a test relationship. In a marriage, a person commits to serving the other above themselves. Likewise, in Christianity, we commit to loving and serving Christ. Just as it takes couples a long time to date and get married, it can take us a long time to get to a place where we desire Christ for an eternity. So how do we bring people into a place of choosing marriage to Christ. Okay. So that's like what we're going to talk about next. Has anyone in here heard of the Enoch scale? The Enoch scale. Has anyone in here heard of Enoch? Okay, got a couple. All right, open up your Bibles. Genesis 5.24. 5.24. This is like a really cool story, Okay. Five twenty-four, and whoever reads it, can you read it in context? So not just that twenty-four, but like the paragraph surrounding it talking about Enoch. Like the eighteen. Sure, that sounds great. When Jared lived, had lived one hundred sixty-two years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he had fathered Enoch eight hundred years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were nine hundred sixty-two years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he had fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for, and he was not for God took him. Read that 24 again. Read that 24 again. Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God took him. Ooh, so what is it saying there? What happened to Enoch? He was assumed into heaven, right? Yep. He was Elijah. Got it. Yeah, just took him up, right? So, so here's here's the thought of this, okay? Enoch, my my version says he walked and talked with God. Enoch was so close to God. God's like, yo, Enoch, bro. Hey, we're already we're already like this, right? You just you just might as well be up in heaven with me. So, like, 
from hundreds of years ago, the thought is that like God's just like, okay, Enoch, you're with me now. Boom. Put you in my throne room. You're with me in heaven. Okay? So the Enoch scale is kind of that, okay? So we talk about like discipleship. Walking with Jesus is a journey, okay? And so like as a journey, like the end goal, I want to be an Enoch. I want to walk with Jesus so close that he's like, all right, we're already homies. Get up here, Mike, right? So on your guys' sheet there, you have the Enoch scale, right? And so at the top end, you have a plus 10, okay? On the top end, you got a plus 10. So that's Enoch. That's like Enoch level. That's like you're walking and talking with God. Those that you're discipling, you're like sitting there in a one-on-one or in a Bible study and like, you know, you guys are talking about Jesus and then like your friend just like isn't there anymore. And you're like, what the heck just happened? You're like, oh, Enoch, okay? And so like that's the goal. I want to like walk with Jesus so much that like we're just like hanging out once, you know, like in the rendezvous and like, where'd Mike just go? Oh, all right. Well, I guess God just took him up. <laughs> that might have been legit what he just said then. <laughs> Right? Yeah, beat me, beat me up, God. <laughs> if Scotty's in heaven, I hope that's still his job, right? <laughs> and so, like, that's the top end, okay? The bottom is, is negative 10, okay? And it's someone actively working against God, okay? Someone, like, actively fighting against God. Sometimes we think of negative 10 as, like, an atheist, okay? But an atheist is maybe, like, a negative 9, maybe, like, a negative 8, okay? Because a true atheist, right? A true atheist is someone who's like, you know what? Like, I just don't believe in God. Like, it's just fairy tales, right? Like, I don't believe in the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. Why would I believe in, you know, uh, unicorns? And why would I believe in God, you know? Like, it just make, doesn't make sense. Yes, Josh? So this is supposed to say God, not good. Someone who is actively working against God, yes. Okay. Not good. Thank you very much. <laughs> good, good catch, good catch. Enoch up here and Sauron. That's <laughs> Sauron. Yes, this is Sauron right down here at negative ten. Okay, that's 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 it right there. Man, I actually had that underline, and that's why it was because it says good and not God. So good catch, my English major friend. I feel like you just need to sit down. You know, like I've done that. I keep, I keep like changing things too. All right, so zero is it says entering into the kingdom, okay? Entering in the kingdom. So here's the Enoch scale, okay? My job is not to make converts or convert people, okay? A lot of times we like think of like our job is like, okay, someone is gonna pray the sinner's prayer, boom, they're in, right? And now you're just part of the club. All right, now like whatever. Right? Have you guys seen that like attitude maybe in like people's lives in the church? Maybe it's like, okay, you're converted, boom, we're good. Right? I want to. Our job as this faithful disciples, as transgenerational disciples, is to take someone the next step up that. Okay. So if someone is actively working against God, man, I don't need to convert them tomorrow. What I want to do is I want to take them from a negative ten to a negative nine. Boom. I feel like I could maybe do that. Maybe there's some ways, okay? If someone's like a negative four, I, wanna, I want them to like maybe learn to start thinking about God more, okay? 
And like, I want to take them from, you know, like, uh, you know, not liking Christians to liking a Christian and trusting me. So boom, I want to take them to that negative three. They trust me right now. Maybe they're thinking about God. I want to take someone that's like at like a plus two and I want to take them to a plus three. Okay. Someone that's like maybe like reading their Bible like once or twice a week. I want them, man, I want to take them to that plus three maybe where they're just like, oh, gosh, I can't like not read my Bible every day. Like, I, man, I got to like, I got to like get into prayer because man, like I can't miss a moment with God. Okay. That's our heart. That's the heart of the disciples. I want to take them to the next point, okay? I want to take them to the next until, boom, they hit plus 10. We're, you know, hanging out and they're just gone. I'm like, well, I guess I did my job. Deuces. Go on, right? Do what you got to do, okay? So that is the Enoch scale. Is anyone reading Pursuit of God with us? Okay, we talk about this. We talk about this Enoch scale actually in last Friday's video. So as you guys are checking out chapters one and two, check that out, okay, and follow along with what's up there. So that's the Enoch scales. I want to take them to the next stop. So I want you guys to think of just two people in your life, okay? Think of two people in your life, and I just want you to put them somewhere on this list, okay? Now this list is arbitrary, okay? There's no science in it, okay? So you can like put people wherever and however you want on them. But I just want you to think of two people and place them on the list, okay? You guys think of someone? Write them down. If you guys want, you can use your binders all you want. You can write in them every day. That's cool. So. Think Yes. Okay. Yes. So at least in, in this, think of at least one person that is not in the kingdom yet. Okay? That's not in the kingdom yet. And, and like the point of this isn't like to, to be like all judgy of people and where they're in life, but like that we would have a heart of like, okay, God, what is the next step? Where do they need to go next, okay? So, um, Jayla, who, you don't have to tell who, but like, okay, what's this friend of yours like? And like, where are they on the scale? Um, well, she's someone that I know from band. And like I had mentioned that I had a Chi Alpha thing to her and she mm -hmm. was like, oh, church thing, ew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely on, on the negative scale. Okay, so where would you like place her? Just Probably like a negative six. Okay, negative six, all right. So like if you could take her to the next like level, like what would like what would change in her life? Kind of just like being a good friend to her and maybe like inviting her to something that's like not like not tie off on Wednesday if we had like an activity or something. Yeah. So she can just like be around Christians. Yeah. So like where she's like just saying yes to an invitation. Mm -hmm. Like to to like an invitation that like has almost spiritual friends around you know not even spiritual implication just like oh these people in this room like jesus mm -hmm. right yeah mm -hmm. and like where she starts to trust you maybe in that right okay uh bob what about you where's this person on your list from a negative two okay negative two because like he wants to come to church but he's still kind of like not really okay 
I know I'm not from when I was at any age. Okay. Wants to come to church, but it's like, ah, maybe not. Okay. Um, so, like, what would it take him to get from, like, a negative two to a negative one? Okay, so like, like what would change in him? So like, we can invite people to come to church, right? But like, how could like, what's like the heart change even to like want to come to church? Like, maybe I even just said it. You want him to have a desire to come to church and be a part, I guess, right? So like, what are the things that you could do to like have that desire in him to like help help build that desire? Obviously, we we can't like change people's hearts; only the Holy Spirit can. But like, what's the role that God, like, the Holy Spirit's calling you to in this? Mm-hmm. Okay, could you like pray for him every day? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Could you like, um, I think so. In all of these, just so you guys know, if like God's putting you on someone in your in your life, like. Prayer is essential. So that's why this last week we had two challenges, right? One was to invite someone that we've never invited to Chi Alpha something, right? Could be a Wednesday night, could be cell group, could have been the tailgate, okay? This coming week could be other things, okay? Could be just a game night you have at your, your house, right? Like, but it's to invite someone new. And then we're going to pray for them, right? So the goal is that, man, like we like learn to like pray for people that like God's calling us to reach out to. This is the currency that matters, right? This is the currency that matters in God's kingdom is others. And I want to like pray for others that like matter to God. Okay? And so, and then like you can keep inviting them. You can like talk to them about like your relationship with Jesus, like, like how your relationship isn't stale, you know, like. Like, man, like, Jesus for me, like, isn't just, like, a thing I do, but it's, like, something that, like, has changed my life. You know, like, we want them to, like, start to yearn and to, like, man, I desire Jesus in my life, okay? Anyone else want to share? Someone else that you know. Where are they? I feel somewhat out of two because they're, they're negative two. Negative two, okay. Because they're, like... Come to church on like Christmas or like yeah. Easter, but nothing more than that. Okay. Like, not really. So like God's in the picture. Or like maybe you know maybe they like the idea of God, but don't really go after Him. Yeah, yeah, they like the idea of God, but not just like pursuing Him every day. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like I don't think they really know God. Okay. That's cool. Anyone else want to share? Anyone got like a plus someone even? Mm-hmm. What do you got? Who's, who's plusing? Who's, what, what are they like? Pretty consistently. Well, I put a, a, a three to okay. everything shown for. Okay. Go to church pretty pretty consistently. Show up pretty consistently. Reads their Bible, reads other books that Christian authors pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, like, you want to, like, take them up the next step, okay? All right. So this next stuff is going to help us like grow in this. So let's so turn the page, okay? And these are the thresholds we must cross to enter the kingdom. So this is like, this is like helped me a lot, okay? So this like came from like some research, okay? Of like, of what does it take for someone to become a Christian? 
what does that look like? So, what is that first thing right there? What is it, Jayla? What does it say? Number one. Uh, trusting a Christian. Okay. So for someone to enter the kingdom, the first thing they gotta be able to do is trust a Christian, okay? So like someone said like negative nine, I think, or negative eight maybe, right? I think it was you, Jayla, right? Negative six. Negative six, I'm sorry. Right? So the first thing that that person probably needs to do in some place is trust a Christian, okay? And there's some of these that probably don't go in the same order, but like these, all these things have to come into play. <coughs> sorry. <coughs> Excuse me, you guys. Yeah, I'm fine. So trusting a Christian, simply having someone who is a Christian that they can trust. So like maybe there's someone that, that someone that you're thinking of is like, man, doesn't really trust Christians. Maybe they trust you. That's great. That's a first start. We want them to trust Christians, okay? They can someone that they can trust not to be judged. And trust that, that person wants the best for them. Like that they could even think of a friendship could start. All right, uh, what's that second one? Bab? Wondering about Jesus. Okay. And read, read that under there. Walking to a point in life where Jesus exists as a concept that is someone to ponder if he is on the radar. There is no more indifference to him. Okay. So they're not just like, ah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But they're like, yeah, okay, maybe I can see that. Like, why would God do this, you know? Or like, who is God, right? Like they begin to wonder about God. Number three, Riley, can you read that? Focus enough to change. The hardest threshold to cross and most important. They are open to something in their life becoming different. They will read the Bible. They will try church slash Bible study. They will talk to someone about it. Cool. So they're like opening up to like God moving in their life, right? They're like, you know what? Yeah, maybe, right? Maybe you can think of like someone's point, maybe your point in your life where you are finally open to change. Or you can think of a friend, like where you could see this change and then they're like, you know what, like I'm like open to that, right? So this is the most important thing like it says, okay? Um, four, uh, Josh, can you read that? Seeking after God, uh, actively seeking God, actively trying to understand, there's no requesting God. They're making active, open attempts to understand Him. Boom. So like, like, okay, like God, you're not just on the radar, but like, I'm like, like reading my Bible. Like I'm like checking you out. Like I am going to church. I am involved in a cell group, right? Like I am looking things up and asking questions, okay? Um, Jayla, can you read the next one? Boom. So that's the zero right there. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, like now, like, I like, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Okay. This is, so that's like the threshold. Like a lot of times we'll stop there. Right. But we want to take people to that positive 10. Okay. So, um, lastly, six, uh, Natalie, can you read that one? Living in the kingdom, they are actively growing in their faith and have not stopped at zero or one on the Enoch scale, but are going deeper into the kingdom and deep life of surrender to him. First step to outreach is trust. What brings trust? Relationship. Thank you. It's like, this is like, man, our heart is like, not only that, like, 
someone trusts a Christian, wonders about it. But these are like the thresholds that it takes for someone to enter the kingdom and to live in the kingdom, okay? Hey, Shane, do you want to put that in your phone, please? Yeah. Thank you. All right, so like these, man, these things are like powerful as we like um, go about and like try to like share with people about Jesus. It's like these thresholds, like every Christian has to go, everyone that enters the kingdom has to go through this at some point, okay? All right, so this is like, this is feeding, right? This is like, so when we talk about finding, feeding, and fighting for God's lost lambs, okay? Like we're feeding, we want them to like yearn after this bread, to like take it in, okay? So this is why we feed. So what is a sugar ministry versus a protein ministry? When you guys think of the differences between sugar and protein, what's the differences? What you want, what you need. What you want, what you need. Okay, it's good. It's a good way to think about it. What else? Well, there's differences in how your body like breaks it down. Yeah, one's more okay. fulfilling. One's yeah. more fulfilling. Difference in how your body breaks it down. Yeah, actually, those are good things. Yeah. Okay. So sugar. We're just gonna say it this way. Those are all great. I love it. Um, I have it here that sugar excites but does not sustain. Right? Like you can get on that sugar rush, that sugar high. Right? And man, like it's good, right? We get on that, like with Jesus even, right? We get like a, a Jesus rush, you know, the camp rush, the camp high, um, whatever it might be. And those things are good. And I think God uses the sugar, okay? He does. You, like we need sugar for our bodies as well, right? It excites us, but it does not sustain. You can think of like the parable of the... Um, uh, uh, of the seeds being scattered, right? The, the sower, right? And like the different things that are like, and like how in the rocky ground, right? Like the, the, the roots couldn't go down because they didn't have anywhere to go, right? So like this sugar excites. There's like excitement at the beginning, it says, but then it like dies because there's nothing to like go into. And that's like the sugar, sugar ministry. Protein, protein builds the body, right? So like, if you guys have met someone that's like all about the weight room, right? Mm -hmm. And what what are they always like trying to get more of? Protein. Protein, right? They got their protein supplements, you know, they got their their shakers, right? They're like going home and they're having chicken and eggs in the morning, right? They're like steaks. I watched this thing of like like one of those strongman dudes. And he was like going like every day. He was like taking in like 10,000 calories or something of like just pure meat. And this guy was like, boom. He's huge, right? Like his body was like being sustained and built, right? So once we find them, once they, join, they are in your cell group, feed them. So I think there's a, a line in there, feed them. Once they're in your cell group, Feed them. Give them the meat of God's word. We don't want a sugar ministry. We want a protein ministry. Sugar excites, but it does not sustain. Whereas protein builds the body. Don't just teach them to understand the Bible. Teach them to obey it. Teach them to obey it, okay? Obedience is God's love language. We teach them to obey it. Yeah, Natalie? Oh, was Sorry. That felt so like high school to me. I was raising my anyway. So was the blank for protein builds the body? Yes, builds okay. the body. Yes, blank okay. for protein is builds the body. 
Yeah, so don't just teach them to understand the Bible. Teach them to obey it. Like, the Bible says that, like, knowledge, being taught the Bible, it says it puffs us up. Okay? So obedience, when we apply what we learned, that's transformative. We want to be people that are helping the people to obey God's word. Okay, this is what it says. What do I do now? So, scripture, observation, application. What am I observing? What am I learning? How am I applying this to my life? P, pray. Pray that in. Let it be a part of me and a part of who I am. So theology matters a lot, you guys. Like how we think of God really does matter. But there's no exam to get into heaven. God expects us to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. We have to show them how. That's that last blank right there. Show them how. So, in this way, it is in this way that we perpetuate a continuous development of maturing leaders for the work of Christ here at Idaho State University, causing our community impact, our campus, our state, our nation, and our world. Okay. <clears throat> so, man, I hope that like your cell group is something that's like challenging to grow in life with not only others, but also like in your relationship with Jesus. That is like calling you to like not only learn more, and the, like the Colossians study we're doing, we're not just learning more, but we're also learning to obey better, okay? Like this is like the depth of like the gospel. This is the depth in growing with Jesus is getting, getting the knowledge and then letting the heart move from it, okay? So this, this comes from our obedience to the Great Commission, right? That second thing there says there is no plan B. There's no plan B in these things. So here's the thing, like if this doesn't like help us to like think of like that the time that we have here at ISU is incredibly important in people's lives, I don't know like what else can for uh, in terms of the gospel. But 80%, 80% of people die believing what they believed when they graduated from college. 80% of your friends that like look at life and say that there is no God or God's unloving, like they are going to stay in that perpetual state for the rest of their lives. 80% of them will. All right, so question. So in what ways have you seen sugar ministry? I think like a big way we have today is like prosperity gospel. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Or like like what the Mormons do when they're just like ministering for numbers, mm -hmm. not necessarily to actually reach the hearts of people. Yeah, they're just like, all right, like there's nothing one to write down in my book. Yeah, it's good. Sorry, this reminds me of an interaction I had with a friend. So, it's good. All right, so how do we discern what type of food people need in their life? Spending time with them in relationship. Yeah. It's good. Any other ways? 
guess you gotta be willing to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Praying about it. Praying. God, what you mean? It's really good. Mm-hmm. Now, I was talking with this about to Becca the other day. So, several of you are going through the book, The Journey, right? So, the reason that we, like, came up with this book called The Journey is because, like, it has, like, essentials in, like, Christian living. Things that we, we want to not just, like, learn, but, like, walk out, okay? Every section has an application. And I want to do that with people because, like, I want them to take it in and grow in it. And then, like, when that thing comes around again, that, like, be like, hey, remember this, Okay? So, like, I do also think there's, like, a basic thing that we all need to grow in that's, like, biblical. Like, we need to grow in our biblical knowledge and obedience and walk that out, okay? So, um, yeah. So, Harv Herman says this. If you want to go fast, run alone. If you want to go fast, run alone. If you want to go far, run together, okay? Think of those people that are doing, like, ultra marathons like who's gonna win that race the ones that are like doing it just all alone out there by themselves or ones that are like running in a pack together probably the ones together because they're looking around and they're encouraged by the people you know for like their competitive nature or whatever it is yeah there's drafting there's (laughs) encouragement there's all sorts of things right We don't need to get into it, but there's other races, right, where you have, like, some of your team in the van coming alongside. But that's different, okay? (laughs) And, um, but yeah. So, um, that's where we're going to end right here. Any thoughts or questions when we talk about feeding? Sweet. All right, I'm going to pray. Jesus, um, I pray that we would be people who feed your lambs, God, that we would first take in the bread, God, take in the nutrients, the protein, God, of your word, Jesus, the, the, the sustaining stuff that builds the body, God. God. As we take that in, God, that we would then take that and feed others, God. That others would come to know you in depth and in breadth, Jesus. God, that it would change them. It would transform their lives, God. And they would be brought up from negative sixes and negative threes to zeros, God, to ones and twos and threes. God, that we would be people seeing Enoch's in our life, in our generation, God. God, I pray that this room, God, would be filled with people who are transgenerational disciples and disciple makers, God. That it would not stop with us, God. That when we look at our lineage and see the people that have poured into us, from the past, God, that we would continue to pour out and see the world change, God. And I pray that we would begin to see the multiplicative effect of transgenerational discipleship on our campus, God, across this world, right here from Idaho State University, Chi Alpha, God. Pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. You what? Uh, I've thought about feeding. Like, you can lead people to food, but you cannot make them eat. That's true. Yeah. So, our job is to lead them there.